Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Today we have a great revenge story all about making somebody regret forcing another person to move their stuff. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, students thought they could easily cheat at the test. Not on my watch. Roughly 10 years ago, I was hired as a substitute science teacher at a private high school. That institute wasn't particularly renowned, and the building had seen better years. It was a last resort for uncaring parents looking for an easy way out for their sons and daughters, who failed in every other institute, public or not, of my hometown. As you may have guessed, almost all of them were totally uninterested in pretty much everything. A bunch of bored, spoiled, rich kids with almost no life goal or whatsoever. I couldn't totally blame them for how they were. Their upbringing was messed up, but having lessons with them could be quite challenging. One day I had enough. We'd been stuck for a while on balancing chemical reactions. Probably one of the easiest stuff you had to learn in high school level chemistry. In case you never studied chemistry, it's as if I gave you the recipe for a cake for five people and then asked you to find out how much flour you need to bake a cake for eight. It's that simple. It was clear as day that they could not care less and that they would opt for the same old strategy. The day of the test, wait for the two smart ones to solve the questions and then cheat off of them. Well, not this time, not on my watch. I prepared four different tests that at the core were exactly the same, different reactions. That's a given, different number of moles involved, but the way to solve the question was the same, down to the last step. The way they panicked when they realized that cheating was almost impossible was kind of cute. Well, impossible for them, I mean. Why overexert myself and prepare difficult and long questions when just... Mixing things up a bit was way enough to jeopardize their genius plan. Probably they would have messed up even an ordinary test since they weren't any good even at cheating, and moreover, giving them a test I knew they would definitely fail at that time of the school year was inconsequential for their grades and hopes to graduate. The panic in their eyes was just a plain, selfish, petty revenge. I imagine the only annoying thing is having to grade this afterwards, but if you did it in a way where you can easily find what key you're looking at, I suppose it isn't that hard to just flip through the four different keys. Just imagine the panic though when they realize and they glance over and they see all the questions are different, the paragraphs of each question don't line up. You can imagine that sinking feeling kick in for them. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, it would be amazing if you left a like or left a review if you're listening to my podcast. That said, our next story is, moral of the story, do not bite the hands that feed you, I guess. This is my father's story and I have permission to share it. We're not native speakers, so expect some confusion. To give some background, my father's side of the family. His father, 70 years old, grandfather, passed away in an accident about 10 years ago. His mother, my grandmother, GM, 76 years old, a retired farmer. She injured her back while working as a farmer. She underwent a couple of back surgeries, which my father paid for, refused to follow the doctor's orders, and became partially disabled as a result of an unsuccessful physical rehabilitation. For about 20 years, she lived off of her children's income. 
His oldest brother, my first uncle, 57 years old, lives with his family and provides almost no financial or practical support to grandmother, but he lives close to grandmother and visits on occasion. My father is 56 years old. His younger brother, second uncle, 54 years old, divorced because he cheated on his wife. He has a high-paying job but spent all of his money on his mistress's cars and houses. When he ran out of money to spend on his sides, he took out an extensive loan to buy more things for his girlfriends. But he refused to pay for his own daughter's college fund, by the way, and went into debt. Second uncle and my father hate each other because second uncle believes my father is overly critical and demanding about what he does. His youngest sister, my auntie, 48 years old, was 48 years old and her daughter, my cousin, 18 years old, lived with grandmother. Auntie was also divorced because her husband was abusive. She was the primary caretaker for grandfather and grandmother and she did all of the housework. However, she was also laid off as a result of the pandemic and faced significant debt. In the same year, she ended her own life. My father has provided the majority of their income since he was still in his 20s because he worked in a different town and had a well-paying job. He'd been sending the majority of his salary to his parents, to the point where he didn't have enough money to save or live a life appropriate to his income. He even told me that he was unable to pay for college because he must send money to grandmother and the program of study I want does not have a scholarship. My country requires at least a bachelor's degree, so I had to go to a nursing school that provided full financial aid, a free dormitory, free meals, and the scholarship's installments. The year my aunt passed away, 2019, my parents had no choice but to retire sooner than we'd planned for a decade. They returned to my father's hometown and became grandmother's full-time caretaker and housekeeper. At the same time, second uncle returned to live with grandmother after being laid off and suffering bankruptcy, became a freeloader, doing nothing but drinking, smoking, gambling, and flirting with more women, using my parents' money, obviously. I also have to send 60-70% to of my salary to grandmother's house, because my parents' savings are not enough to cover additional freeloader living costs, grandmother's mortgage, all their debts combined, and co-schooling and allowance. This almost wiped out my parents' savings, but my father was never a favorite child for some reason, despite the fact that he contributed the most money, caused no trouble, and was always available to help grandfather and grandmother with anything. Medical bills, running errands, etc. Despite this, grandmother only believed second uncle and always scolded my parents without hearing their side of the story. Grandmother also enjoys pretending to be delirious and pooping and peeing all over herself as a punishment forcing my parents to clean up after her. They took her to the hospital several times because they worried she had dementia, age-related regression or something, but doctors confirmed that her brain function, thought process, and orientation are completely fine. The recent event that broke the camel's back. Grandmother went to check her bank account. As I said before, she's fine physically and mentally, except for being a senile and back pain. She discovered that her balance had dropped by about $5,000 over the last 10 years. She immediately accused my parents of stealing her money, which they did use, but they tried to explain to grandmother that they use all of their savings to help pay for her everything, because they're running out of money and no longer have a steady source of income. She became enraged, telling everyone she knew that my parents had stolen her money. So, after several years of being free caretakers and housekeepers, my parents decided to move to live in the same town as me, and they paid a large sum of money for a moving service. 
500 kilometers slash 300 miles to move every necessary appliance such as a refrigerator, washing machine, air conditioner, and so on, which my parents had used their money to buy for grandmother over the years with them. So grandmother no A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Longer has any appliances, caretaker, or extra money to spend. I hope her golden childs will be there for her from now on, because we're no con. I mean, I think this is just how it breaks down, right? You treat your kids like crap even when they've devoted so much time and money to you. It's no surprise that at some point they broke and were like, you know what, it's time to move on from this. There's no sense being forced to be strapped into the sinking ship any longer. Our next story is, got revenge on my teacher for only dress coding certain girls. Remember this out of the blue and thought I'd share? Background info, I, 16 year old female at the time, went to a school that was K through 12. We had multiple principals, one for the elementary school, one for middle, one for high school, and an overall principal who was in charge of all of them. The principal of the high school, who I'll call Miss Smith, was notorious for only giving certain girls dress code violations. It always seemed to be the more developed girls that got in trouble. I once confronted her about it after she dress coded a friend of mine for having a short skirt, while ignoring the fact that mine was even shorter. She mumbled some bowl about my outfit being more modest overall and gave my friend a demerit. Our school's policy was three demerits equal detention. This really rubbed me the wrong way, so I hatched a petty little plan. I was in charge of the art club. I'd been planning a project where I gave 10 disposable cameras to each grade in the high school to pass around and take pictures of their day. Afterwards, I had them developed and mounted a display. Before you ask, thankfully all of the pictures came out PG. I knew I had to get permission from the principal. Instead of going to Miss Smith, I decided to go straight to the principal of the whole school, Mr. Jones. He gave me the green light. I didn't inform Miss Smith of the project. On the day I distributed the cameras, Miss Smith found me during second period and informed me that she'd confiscated them due to not getting her permission. It was then that I informed her that I didn't need her permission because Mr. Jones had given his. She stared at me with sort of a goldfish expression. I told her I'd be happy to return the cameras to each grade, but I had class. 
So could she do it? After an awkward pause, she agreed. I thought the idea of her having to visit each individual classroom to eat her own words was hilarious. Even though she'll never know why I pulled that stunt, it brought me joy to know I'd embarrassed her just like she'd embarrassed my friend. It's one thing if they're the kind of teachers that are just overly strict with the rules in general and dress code everybody as much as humanly possible, but teachers like this with clear bias, it's just so slimy. However impactful, I'm sure it must have felt great to get that revenge. Our next story is Revenge on the Neighbors. So this happened to my dad a few years ago. He lives in an old farmer house that, unfortunately, does not have a window in the bathroom. So my dad wanted to cut a hole in the wall and put one in, for obvious reasons. Now, if you want to add a window that points directly to the property of someone else, you have to ask the person who owns said property in our country at least, since the window would only let us see their driveway and we would have put frosted glass there anyway, we figured it wouldn't be a problem. My dad went over and asked nicely for their permission. They absolutely blew at him. Under no circumstances would they allow this and they even called our building authority to tell them what my dad asked and that they want the authority to check on him in case he put it there anyway. We still don't have a window in our bathroom to this very day. A few months after all that, the same neighbor suddenly stands in front of our door telling us that he would like to build a carport in his driveway, asking if it would be okay with us since he would have to connect said carport to our house. My dad looked at them in disbelief for like 5 seconds and then laughed, told them no, and shut the door. We ended up putting a ventilator in the bathroom to suck the stink out. Their cars are still exposed to wind and weather. I'll tell you what, it certainly made it a lot easier to say no to their face to build a carport that's attached to your house. I mean, how dumb and over-asking is that? Hey, can I build a driveway for my car on your property attached to your house? Like, are you basically asking me if I want to sacrifice that section of my front yard for your car? Who would ever say yes to that? Our next story is, don't want to listen to my hygiene advice? Enjoy drinking my spit. I live with a roommate. We rinse the dishes before loading them in the dishwasher. It can be confusing to know whether the dishwasher is clean or dirty, especially since we rinse them beforehand. I got the idea of hanging a board on the dishwasher knob with one side saying clean and the other side saying dirty. My roommate was not impressed. She said that it was weird and told me to take it off. She was a genuinely unhygienic and argumentative person. I have dentures and store them in a glass when not in use. I would usually rinse that glass and only put it in the dishwasher right before turning on the cycle. But now, in my new and spiteful apathy, I would rinse them and put them in the dishwasher straight afterwards. A few months later, I head off to work and come back. I see that glass with some tea left in it. I told my roommate, I hope you turned on the dishwasher. That was my used spit cup. What the freak, my roommate exclaimed and gagged. We now have a sign hanging on the knob. Mission successful. If you're not going to have a situation where anything in the dishwasher has to be cleaned if it's still in there, 100% the best thing to do is to have some kind of sign. Back when I was still living with my family, I went out of my way to buy one of those signs that you can stick on and it's from just like Amazon. And it's just a little slider that's just stuck right to the door of the dishwasher and you can slide it to clean or slide it to dirty. It's so simple, straightforward, it's literally right there on the door. All you have to do is just respect the sign and nobody will have an issue. Our next story is BF Temporarily. When I, boomer, oldest freak, female, was in college for the first couple of years, I was good friends with a student my age, I'll call her Jade. Then I went to work one summer for her family's business. 
It was in an isolated location, like a campground, and I didn't have a car, so I was pretty much stuck there. We were getting paid into a personal account that would get turned over to us at the end of the summer. We didn't need money because meals were cafeteria style, free for staff, and incidentals were charged against our wages. Everything was great for the first month. The work was hard, but I loved getting really fit and tanned. Then Jade's dad, the big boss, started paying a lot of attention to me, starting off in public, but then he started cornering me and making comments about my figure. This was way before anyone even talked about sexual harassment, and women were supposed to take it as a compliment and flirt back, or at least say thanks for the compliment, so this geezer would not leave me alone and would often assign me to help him with stuff like driving to town for supplies, so I'd be stuck in the car for a couple of hours, with him telling me he'd never been unfaithful to his wife before, but he would do it with me. I can't even remember saying anything back, just staring out the window hoping he wouldn't get mad. He even tried to come into my bunk one night, and I jumped up and ran out and spent the night in a bathroom stall. I could hear him looking for me. The next day, we acted like nothing happened. It was so weird, feeling so grossed out and stuck, and looking back, I don't know why I didn't feel scared. I think dating back then, I just felt scared all the time and this was no different except I was so isolated. Jade had to know what was going on but she was busy hooking up with one of the guys our age so I hardly saw her. And one time when she saw him try to corner me, she laughed and said, he doesn't mean anything by it, so I knew she was no help. I ended up leaving early and forfeiting half my pay. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Penalty for not finishing the full session. After paying for my trip home, I made a whopping $100, which was a lot more way back when a pack of cigarettes was 25 cents and rent on my one bedroom apartment was $90 a month. The worst was that Jade and I were already signed up to be roommates in the dorm for the next year. The only time the subject of the summer came up, when I tried to talk to her about what happened, I didn't even get a sentence out when she started crying and said dramatically, How do you think that made me feel? He's my father! Boo hoo hoo! And she ran in the bathroom and slammed the door. After that, we just acted like the summer never happened, and we were roommates for that year, but we were never close again. Fast forward 40 years, a couple of weeks ago I got a voicemail message. I would not have recognized her voice. Jade was talking like we were still BFFs, said it had been too long and she just wanted to catch up, said she lives on the opposite side of the country, has some chronic illness, I can't even remember what else, would love to catch up, would love for me to visit, blah blah blah. Listening to her blather on, I kept checking in with myself. How do I feel? Am I upset? How should I feel? Do I feel sorry for her? Finally, her message ended with a cheery, I really look forward to hearing from you, and my petty revenge, I erased your voicemail and hung up the phone, and I'm smiling just writing this. The best revenge is a life well lived. I got a bit worked up writing this out, and I feel for the young me who was so ill-equipped to deal with the sexism and sexual assault and the unfairness of life in general, but I got through it. Good for me. 
Lesser people would probably answer back and just go off about how awful their father was, drag up all of those experiences and bitter feelings from back then. It takes a very mature person to hear that and go, you know what, I'm just going to delete this and move on with my life, and I couldn't be happier for it. Our next story is, cops called for road hockey, ends with ticket for caller. Growing up in Canada, me and my friends often played road hockey. Unfortunately, at some point his neighbor started hating us for it and would call the cops. For any little thing. I never understood it. We were always respectful to his property and his family. Regardless, the cops never gave a freak and would just tell him what we were doing wasn't illegal. One day our tennis ball went under his truck. His like 1993, it was 98-ish, Yukon, which was parked on the street, very far from where the hockey was being played. But someone missed the pass and the ball went gently down the street. I got on my hands and knees and using my stick to get the ball out, boom, out comes the neighbor, Pat, yelling at me and had already called the cops. Cops showed up, tell us to move further down the street, then hand Pat his parking ticket. He had parked on the street on the very first day that winter parking is in effect and he was not allowed to park there anymore. So here's our 40-year-old neighbor, called the crop called the cops to give us crap, gets handed a ticket, there's like 9 13 year olds standing there watching, laughing their butts off. Dude was told straight up, if it's about road hockey, don't call anymore. We were at 5 plus police calls that year for nothing. I'm glad that the cops finally said at some point, listen, you call again, we are going to give you grief. Honestly, in most situations, if they showed up, they probably wouldn't have even have issued that ticket. But just because this guy has built up a record of misusing the resources, they probably felt like they were obligated to do so. Something to try to get it through to this guy. Our next story is, I'm sick of the noise, so here's my speakers. So at the back of my building, a family built a little shanty house that doesn't even have walls, just grates and mesh. Helps with the heat, I suppose, but they're super loud, singing and playing music and TV at top volume within a foot of my apartment. So I went out and bought a speaker, got a chair to stand on, and put it against the only window next to theirs. And now I'm playing horror movies very loudly so they can listen to people being slaughtered until they learn to keep their noise to a reasonable level. And I don't even mean no noise, but a reasonable level is all I want. Hopefully they will stop smoking at that window as well, as it goes into my apartment and I can't stand the smell. I just hope for OP's sake that their noise translates into a signal of what OP's truly asking for. Do you think the psycho bump 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 is going to translate well enough to stop playing loud music and TV and also stop smoking by my window please? This next story is, does planting a tree with my grandfather's ashes count as community service? I graduated from an IB high school. For those who don't know what IB is, It's basically a fancy pants diploma that's kind of like the AP system in America. We have higher and lower level classes. We're expected to write a research topic essay, write up a math and science research paper and experiment, and expected to do extracurricular activities, CAS, outside of school. It's heck on earth, and I hated it with every fiber of my being. While I only graduated with an IB certificate and not a full diploma, meaning I didn't have to do the research paper, I still had to complete some of the program's requirements, like CAS. CAS stands for Community Action Service. Basically, you're expected to do several CAS projects that have to relate to one of the subjects. For example, community could be learning a new language. Action could be meeting a certain weight goal. 
Service could be volunteering at a beach cleanup. You have to do several CAS activities every year along with documenting, video or photo, said activities and writing a reflection on them on a dedicated CAS blog. You were also expected to do CAS projects during summer and winter break. Most IB schools are pretty chill with CAS programs. My school was not one of those schools. Our CAS teacher, Mr. Luke, fake name, took his role as CAS teacher very seriously. As in, he would literally chase students down the hall and question them as to why they didn't update their weekly CAS reflection. Like, this man once chased me down a flight of stairs because I didn't have a CAS project started within the first two weeks of the school year. So yeah, I hated him and, by extension, loathed the CAS program. Thankfully, he took it a little easier on me when he found out I was only doing an IB certificate, not a full diploma, but he still constantly bugged me about not regularly updating my CAS blog. I in turn just did the bare minimum for CAS because along with being overwhelmed with the amount of homework IB schools assigned, I was a severely anxious, depressed, and suicidal teen that rarely had the energy to come up with and follow through on a CAS project. Fast forward to my senior year, we all had just come back from Christmas break, and I was not doing well. On top of me still being on suicide watch and struggling with severe anxiety and depression due to uni applications and the IB workload, my grandfather passed away the week before Christmas. We weren't the closest, but we had a good relationship. His passing hit my family hard. The whole break we were in mourning, and I lost count of how many panic attacks I experienced during that time. We cremated him, spread his ashes on my uncle's ranch under his favorite tree he liked to nap under. Then we planted a sabling of guanabana fruit, his favorite, and mixed his ashes in with the soil. My mom filmed the whole process on her phone and then sent the video to the family group chat. As you can imagine, during that particular winter break, CAS projects were the last thing on my mind, and I'd forgotten to do one entirely the whole break. First day back at school, All the seniors are called into the gym for a CAS checkup, aka we were split up into groups, and Mr. Lucas would go from group to group asking what CAS project we had done over the break and what the plan for our next project was. Usually I'd be crapping my pants about completely forgetting to do a school assignment and not having anything to show for it, but I couldn't even bring myself to give a crap that day. I was bored, sad, and mad that my free period was being wasted on this. Luckily, my friend was in the group, so I just chatted with her until Mr. Lucas arrived. Because I hadn't updated my CAS blog at all during break, he spoke to me first. With a smug little smirk, he sarcastically asked, loud enough for my group to hear, You haven't updated your blog since the start of December. What's your excuse this time? Something inside me snapped. I said, actually, I did do something over break, but I'm not sure if it would count as a CAS activity. Mr. Lucas, suddenly very interested, oh yeah? What did you do? I reply, we cremated my grandfather and used his ashes to plant a tree on my uncle's ranch. He replies, what? Me, looking him dead in the eye, we planted a tree with the ashes of my recently deceased grandfather. That counts as an act of service, right? Planting a tree? Friend cracks the freak up and starts laughing. Mr. Lucas gives a blank processing stare that then morphed into a very concerned, oh, I freaked up expression. I... 
I reply, I can write a reflection today if you want. I have a video of us spreading his ashes and planting the tree. Pulls out phone, pulls up video, and shows him the thumbnail that clearly shows me crying while holding an urn. I can upload it to my blog with my reflection. Want me to show you? Mr. Lucas, clearly very horrified, says, Nope, nope, that's that's fine. You don't need to show me. Friend, still laughing. Mr. Lucas then proceeded to get up and quickly scampered off the group next to us. He was so frazzled he forgot to talk to anyone else in my group. Not gonna lie, it felt good. Especially when my still laughing friend said that the whole exchange was the funniest thing she'd seen that day. Mr. Lucas avoided me for the next two months before going back to bugging me about barely doing any CAS work. But he wasn't as persistent as before. My mother, on the other hand, wasn't the most pleased when I told her what happened. Said it was disrespectful to my grandfather to use him to get out of doing schoolwork. But knowing what my grandfather was like and his sense of humor, I like to think he would have approved. I think OP ultimately did a good thing because in that moment, OP reminded Mr. Lucas that even if it's winter break, all of these kids are humans and they don't know what exactly they may have gone through. That God forbid some of these kids who are struggling or not being so punctual on everything, they may have a very legitimate reason back home that he just can't or doesn't know about. I think OP did a good thing, at least for a small period of time while they try to recover from that shell shock. Our next story is, make me move your stuff, bet you wish you didn't. Okay, so here's the scene. Me, my friend Jay, his sister S, the bad friend BF, and my ex-friend XF. So BF was living temporarily with my friend's sister, and like in most cases, overstayed her welcome to the point of being kicked out. She was given her timeline and at least had everything packed. But when the day came to get going, me and my friend were recruited to do the heavy lifting. A 10 by 10 bedroom, a bed, a wardrobe, and two multi-drawer cabinets, as well as a full basement storage space. Boxes, a couch love seat, plus washer and dryer. This was before cell phones, and we had a pre-arranged meeting time, and after an hour of waiting, we just started without them. We had the keys to the new place and where it was. Three trips with a van from a third floor to a second. Don't forget the basement stuff. 30 minute drive apartment to apartment. Now ex-friend was dating bad friend and neither showed for the move. And I'm pretty sure ex-friend knew someone also living in the building. As I vividly remembered it. Another thing I should note, bad friend smoked clove cigarettes. Should add here that on the last trip from the van, I smelled one. I had kind of thought maybe I was smelling her things. As I smelled it from her bed. But my friend came up behind me and said he smelled the same thing. It was then I realized bad friend and ex-friend were in the apartment building somewhere, possibly why'd I recognize the place. I was mad. They've been sitting on their butts waiting for us to finish moving. I asked friend if he wanted to help me with a revenge plan. The apartment was pretty good in size, two bedroom, a bath, and a medium to large kitchen. Directly across from the main slash only entrance, important for later, was the bathroom and the two bedrooms across from each other at the end of the room making the kitchen the center of the place. So we took the fridge and put it in front of the bathroom door, then the washer and dryer in front of the fridge. This left just a few feet between the dryer and the front door. Okay, almost ready. So we propped up the couch so that the front door was holding it up, set the love seat so part of the couch was holding it up, and like a master at Tetris, we closed the door to a lovely bang 
bang sound. The loveseat dropped behind the couch, locking the couch between it and the space heater just next to the door. Also locking the couch between the front door and the dryer, we successfully set it so when you tried to open the door, you could only open it about 4 inches, enough to see through a crack, and know that the couch was preventing it from opening. Now you may be thinking, well, I'd just climb the fire escape. I'm sure they did too. Did I forget to mention that the fire escape led to the bathroom? The one we blocked with the fridge at the other end of the blockade from the front door? There's maybe about 4 inches of play between it all. We also locked all the windows, the old school counterweight style, so we put duct tape over the locks. After that, we just left. We were tempted to shout something letting them know that we knew they were there, but decided to let them think they were clever for a bit longer. I really wish I knew how it went after we'd left. I'd love to have seen their faces after trying to get in, probably right after we left, only to be unable to enter. And again, after thinking they were clever going up the fire escape, having to break a window probably, only to be in the same situation as the front door. I can only assume that they had to get a ladder and break into one of the bedrooms. Make me move your stuff without you. Good luck getting into your new place. So I guess the only options are either break a window to get in, or if there's any way to possibly take the door off with the 4 inch gap. I mean to be fair, I don't think there's going to be any way that you can take the door off from the outside, I would hope, just for security reasons. But I would just be trying to think of any possible less expensive way than breaking and having to replace a window. I mean, yikes. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.